0: This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com. It's just airplanes, so it's not, it's not this really no is, This is the best seat in the house. It's got a, a runway flip. in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Finally. I assume we're all ready.
1: <laughs> Looks like
0: it. I thought that the U-2 was supposed to be a spy plane. It was supposed to be like, well, I guess it's not a stealth plane, right? It's not, yeah. it's not stealth. So, So yeah. the fact that it can be seen on radar, that's not the problem
1: here. Oh, it's so well. It is so easily seen on radar that we've had them shot down over Russia.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. well, that's true.
1: In Cuba, that was an oops.
0: You know, the Russia thing was an oops because they weren't supposed to be able to shoot shoot missiles that high, right? That was a whole other
1: kind of problem. Well, that was kind of a surprise. Out of that, that uh, somebody figured out the trajectory that if you launch the missile far enough ahead of the U tube, <laughs> the, the, the but missile doesn't could get help high enough and meet it. <laughs> I guess okay. But if you um, waited until you you know until it was within range no you'd never catch it
0: yeah but that's not the story this time the problem this time is that what a u2 presumably a, a research aircraft but i you tell me was coming back on shore was going feet dry over the west coast i guess it was lax okay and hilarity Somewhere ensued <laughs> California. okay Jeb, what happened here well it's not at all clear
2: to me but what happened uh there's, there's two explanations here, and, and neither one of them make any sense. Uh, one of them is um, the, the U-2 was at, six, was at too high an altitude. Let's put it that way. Too high an altitude for the computer. It, didn't comp- it literally did not compute the aircraft's altitude.
0: So this okay. is basically a Y2K kind of problem.
2: Kind of a Y2K kind of problem. You know, someone didn't dimension the array enough. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's a geeky reference. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Go ahead. Is that ahead. like pip yeah. hip array? Yeah. yeah. That's right. I know. No. We programmers understand what that means. Yes. Yes. Um,
2: so so it, it tripped. You know, it tripped some some software circuit in the uh, in the new uh, ERAM, which is the new Tracon software, ERAS or ERAM or something like that. And the whole thing went offline. <laughs> <Yeah>. so,
0: <laughs> Which so is generally
2: considered a bad thing.
0: So basically, the U the, 2 the was flying at, like, you know, I don't know what, 130, 127,000 feet, but the okay. computer thought it was only at 27,000 feet. Well, like that um, i, don't, I yeah. don't think it gets that high no but, no but like that that's yeah. uh, by the way i'm just thinking about it for a second here i was giving you all the props for the dimension the array that's a basic reference jeb it oh, is my gosh is. that really goes back um so the uh, the computer system kind of had a little nervous breakdown and thought that the u2 was actually down in the kind of airlines flight levels well that wasn't a, it's not at all clear uh-huh what what
2: the computer thought okay but <laughs> they're blaming it on the aircraft's altitude yeah. So, now, so that's one story, and that, that story is on NBC.com, NBCnews.com. Okay. Okay, now there's another story on
0: defensenews.com. Okay. I'm <laughs> that, not even sure which one is a better source. <laughs> I, I'm not sure either one of them are, are, are all that good. And what does the defense news one this say? This
2: one says that the aircraft was operating at a very high altitude under visual flight rules. And that didn't compute. Yeah, and that
0: would that's, that that would set off the computer. That's right
2: there. so that's so bogus. That's so bogus because anything above eighteen thousand is automatically presumed to be an IFR flight. And you got to think that a U two operation will file the file the correct flight plan. So that's that's just that's just a oh, what are you talking oh, about? That's,
1: that's that's exactly different from what I saw. <laughs>
2: Okay, the the top of the third paragraph there on that second link, Uh uh,
1: um,
2: they're saying it operates under VFR at at or above sixty grand, and we all know that's just simply not the case. Yeah, right. But a, it doesn't really matter because there's nothing else up there, right? Uh, And b, um, you gotta you gotta think that something that high is is going to be recognized by the controllers. They know what's going on. It's the computer that just coughed this up, yeah. Some, some somehow, but I don't think it had anything whatsoever to do with it being a quote VFR flight plan, if that was even the case.
1: Right. No. I, well, I've, I read that and I looked at where they supposedly were were flying, you know, the altitudes where this thing has been been known to fly, and thought, okay, that's not air, that's not alpha airspace up there anymore. Above 60,000. Well, you know, that, that's not that, classified at all.
2: Yeah, you, that's a point. That's a point, but still.
1: And I've heard of traffic operating up there with no transponder, yeah. and we can imagine pretty easily the reasons why that might happen. Uh, and what's the likelihood of there being anybody else up there? Uh, but second, having it squawk 1,200, or maybe the computer, and back to the computer again, says, wait a minute. Uh, I don't recognize flight level 720 or 660 or whatever the transponder was squawking at 1,200. It goes default, brain dead, flip-flop, and no, 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 that can't be. It must be at 27,000 feet instead of 87,000 or 67,000 or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it's squawking VFR because it's not an IFR flight at above the class alpha.
0: <sighs> I guess. It's it's all pretty confusing, isn't it? Um I, I, I you know, I gotta right. figure I gotta Let's... figure we've got a listener out there who knows a little bit more about how U twos fit into the airspace and, and you know, so clearly it wasn't a V <clears throat> I don't know, I think clearly it wasn't on a VFR flight plan, but Maybe it wasn't on a normal IFR flight plan either. Maybe there's some other category. For, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and and the and the writer just <laughs> I can almost imagine a conversation between some expert and this writer, and the expert was saying he wasn't on an IFR flight plan. He was on something else. It's kind of like a VFR flight plan in that regard. Yeah. You
2: know, so, I, I can see, I can see, <clears throat> excuse me. I can see where uh, someone you know correctly noted the fact that at, a, at or above i'm sorry at excuse me again above flight level six zero zero uh is where class a airspace ends and i guess you're back in g airspace uh of all things yeah uh, so so yeah you, you, you could figure you, you can be i f r in g well uh you you can't be cleared uh uh but you can certainly operate i f r in g airspace mm-hmm Mm-hmm.
0: So now, what was the effect of this? They just basically had to clear a whole bunch of airspace unnecessarily. I mean, I
1: don't know. Um, yeah, I, got I think this really might drunk. be apropos. Yeah, David, classy airspace. <laughs> uh, Classy airspace consists of the airspace of the U.S., including airspace overlying the waters within 12 nautical miles of the coast of the 48 contiguous states in Alaska, extending upward from 145 MSL up to but not including 18,000 MSL, and the airspace above FL600, excluding the Alaskan Peninsula west of longitude 160.00.00 west, and the airspace below 1,500 feet above the surface of the Earth. Okay, okay
2: so, so so above 600 is class ECHO airspace?
1: That's what this says. And this, uh, is, from, uh, this is from the uh, Procedures for Handling Airspace Matters from the FAA dated February 9, 2012.
2: That makes even less sense then, because you can certainly file and fly IFR in Echo airspace.
1: But you don't have to file IFR in Echo airspace. You don't have to, right? Not but, like not like between eighteen thousand and six zero zero, where but, you uh, do.
2: Right, but an aircraft above <laughs> above six zero zero should not add a, supposedly VFR or something like that outside of the uh, outside of the Alpha. It should not trigger a software problem like that. Sorry, that's that's all I have to say. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's <laughs> odd. It's odd. So, and this all came to light because they had to redirect a whole bunch of other of airliners and so forth, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they had the whole thing was they, they had a ground stop, really hinky
2: had a one hour ground stop, um, twenty seven cancellations, two hundred twelve delays, and twenty seven diverts.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a little bit of a thing. That's
2: a little bit of a deal. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. a bad day at LAX.
0: Yeah, yeah truly. Okay. Because wow.
1: remember, what happens at LAX doesn't stay at LAX. <laughs> <laughs> <They run backwards>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. It goes backwards. Okay. It generally, you know, it, it can move west, but the, the interesting stuff moves what, east. Right,
0: exactly. Okay, that's. I thought I had a good episode title. Now I've got two. Um, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast, where Jack, things don't stay here either. That's right. Things that happen on uncontrolled in UCap don't. I don't know. There's something in there. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm coming to you from UCap World Headquarters in uh, the scenic meadows of Epping, Epping, New Hampshire. Uh, here with my two good friends, uh,
1: Dave Higdon's out there talking to us from Wichita,
0: Kansas. How you doing, David?
1: Doing phenomenal, doing phenomenal. We are already setting temperature records here in the Midwest, and uh, and, and and keeping our fingers crossed that that's just a bad April ending. Uh-huh. Not high a or low temperature record. High, before. high. We we hit one hundred and one the earliest they've ever had it recorded here. You already had one hundred and one. Yeah, we've already. Are had you multiple kidding? Hundred Holy moly, You guys are, are you in kidding trouble. Kidding me? No, yeah. I wish I was.
2: Yeah. Oh man! After the winter you had.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, t- tell me about it. Just like,
2: surprise, surprise. Yeah.
1: Well, and that Gore, other voice. Al
2: Gore, please pick up the white curves. Tell me about it. Tourist. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> and that that other voice out there, my other good friend, Jeb Burnside, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, where it doesn't, not 101 there, and you'd think, huh? I don't think it's gotten to 90 yet here this year.
1: Uh-huh, yeah. Well, we, we'd love to have some of the rain that Jeb's neighborhood's had.
0: Well,
2: we haven't had any in a week, uh, it's been sunny and warm and low humidity for all all week long. It has been absolutely
1: del- delightful. A whole it, week it, without rain. How can a whole, it a it? whole week
2: without rain and just you know kind of warm, low humidity sunshine.
1: I think and, we last got precip here in February, but and that was a quarter of an inch of snow. Uh, it is dry here, so dry that. Every time we uncover the motorcycles, we come along with a dust mop and sweep them off. <laughs> okay, I guess.
0: I don't know. Um, so let's see now. Uh, okay, so we got one little bit of news here. Um, I don't know if this is suitable for the podcast or not, but it's vehicle related. We talk about airplanes. We're talking about motorcycles. I bought a new toy. What'd you do? I bought a new toy. I bought. What'd you a, do? I bought myself a pickup truck. <laughs> 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 ooh, ooh, ooh. Got myself a pickup truck, and uh, let's see now. Someplace here, I've got a picture. Are we? Are we going to see this at AirVenture? It, you might actually. You might actually. Here, to Hang on. I can send you a link for my little pickup truck picture here. It's uh, this copy. Uh, where's? I got too many windows open here. That should take you to my pickup truck pictures. Pickup truck.
1: Well, yeah. oh yeah it's nice. a it's a oh, two thousand
0: two nice. uh ford f one fifty x l t it's got a humongous it's got a v eight engine in it all right it's i mean that was like more than i wanted but uh but it was what. Oh, well, that looks old. cool. I wouldn't mind having something like that. That's a good look, good looking truck. Yeah, it's a good looking truck. It's got yeah. a little bit of rust, and that's where it, it's still in the in the. It's I'm buying it from the guy who does the maintenance on my car. Right. It's rear wheel drive only. It's no, it's four wheel. Not. Oh, four- I see that. Yeah, I it's not full time four wheel, but it's yeah. four wheel. Yeah. Um, I assume that it's rear wheel norm when it's two wheel. Um, yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, and
1: it's got automatic hubs. So yeah, you, right. it's got a lever the in, in the, in in the, in the cab thing.
0: and uh right. you know, and uh, automatic transmission and uh, like I said four-wheel drive and uh, uh got a little bit of rust and that's the thing that the uh, guy I'm buying it from is fixing right now. So, uh, he's fixing some a little bit of uh, kind oh, of cool. body rust. Oh, um strange. it's pretty good structurally. Uh it's got a relatively good engine and uh it, it, and as you can see it looks decent. If you look closely, you can see a little bit of the rust, but it looks decent.
1: What is it? What 6 liter? Uh 5.6. Five
0: point six. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. So yeah. that's my new toy. I'm gonna carry motorcycles around in it and what year what your model is that two thousand two. Okay. It's got a lot of miles. It's got two uh, two hundred and two thousand miles or something wow. like that. But uh, wow. but these days, you know, that's a lot that a, but it, but it's not yep. like it was when we were kids. You know, no, so. it's not at all like it was when we were kids. Yeah. So anyways, that's my new toy. Um and everybody's gonna say, Well, why aren't you buying an airplane if you're buying trucks? Believe me, this didn't cost anything like what an airplane would cost. So uh yeah. Well, I mean, we keep showing you different airplanes. You know? Yes. I know. I know. You never. You never really respond, so we just kind of got out of the habit. <laughs> I'm just trying. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, what's on the list here? Uh, is there a list? Yeah. There's a list. Plane crashes into house. Jeb, this is a. Uh, this is in the uh, the uh, something irony department, right? Yeah. This something like that. This was. What uh, this is in Colorado.
2: Um, pilot walked away unhurt after his single-engine plane crashed into a suburban Denver house. Yeah, but the punchline is... The punchline is the pilot um, who lost power while towing an advertising banner. Oh, um, he okay. used, oh, to, used to own the house.
0: He, so he crashed into a house <laughs> that, he, <laughs> that he used that he, to own. That he used to own. Man, I'm telling you. that's yeah. Well, the fact that he was towing a banner, I, I kind of assumed that this was because he was, like, buzzing the house because he was familiar with it and wanted to get a close look or something like that. But if he was towing a banner, obviously not the yeah, case. He,
2: he, he was flying a Piper Pawnee, uh, which is a uh, popular banner towing machine. Um just one of one in a million kind of, one one in a million kinds of kind of things.
0: Yeah, go. go figure. Yeah, go figure. So, so what's the moral of the story? Is you know what? Be careful when you're flying near your old hometown. Or uh, I don't think you knew where. I don't think I
2: wouldn't have paid any attention that I'm well, in my old he, neighborhood. The message
1: out of this incident. Really belongs to, or accident, I should say, really belongs to the future owner because it's been pre disastered. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, we okay, And before. If you need to check that reference, Google the world according to GARP and pre disastered house. Pre-disastered. Yeah. I know, that is a good line. I know what you're talking about.
0: I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that'll never happen again. Yeah. Guaranteed. that You know, that it, it won't get struck by lightning. Uh it won't get caught fire by a legal part, pot pot party next door or anything like that. It's safe from here on out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So uh, somebody it may have been you, David, um, referred us to a really interesting video on YouTube called Spitfire Nine Four Four. It's a it's a documentary, uh sort of small it's either a part of a longer documentary or it's a short fifteen minute documentary about um a a, a guy who flew Spitfires during the war. An American
1: who flew Spitfire. Yeah,
0: and it's a cool story, and that's and and maybe we should talk about that story at some point. But that's not what really got my attention. At some point during the video, he was he was reminiscing about having flown the Spitfire, and he referred to it as as and I don't remember the exact words, but, but words along the line of the greatest airplane of the war, you know, or the, the yeah. you know one of the he, best or something like he that.
2: Said, he said something like every pilot should fly one at one point in Yeah,
0: life. and. And that got me to thinking the fact that a lot of people also refer to the P fifty one Mustang as being the one of the, you know the greatest fighter plane of the war. Um, you know, you always hear that I don't know if it's apocryphal or not that story about when when the first P fifty ones were doing escort duty with the bombers over like Berlin and uh, and who was the Nazi Air Force guy there? Um, 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 Garing. Garing. Uh, whoever it was, maybe it was Garing. You know, turned to somebody else and said, uh, "We've just lost the war." That's a, mm-hmm. a, a quote you hear at air shows a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless, um, you know, the P fifty one a great a great fighter airplane. So here is my question to you guys: Which of these was the better airplane? Which is the, which is better, the Spitfire or the P fifty
1: one? What do you think? I am going to have to go with a Spit. Yeah, why? <sighs> because on almost every. Uh, God, I hate using this word in this context. On almost every metric, it exceeded the P-51D. And we're talking about the later model spits here, like the 14, the 13-14 model. Uh, the 14 was faster in level flight than a Mustang. It had a higher service ceiling, had a better roll rate, could climb uh, faster Uh was overall more maneuverable, uh, except for dive speed, which was the only way that the P fifty one could be able to escape from an equally talented pilot flying a Spit fourteen, <laughs> <laughs> is, to, is to you know get away from him in a dive, which not coincidentally was what saved a lot of our guys against Japanese zeros. Oh, really? I over in the that. Pacific, yeah, yeah. They they uh, they could they could get down faster and. And we're taught really early on, particularly by the uh, Flying Tigers veterans, don't try to out-climb, don't okay. try to outturn. Right. You'll die. Yeah,
0: Don't uh, don't try and out-turn a Spitfire. Uh, no.
1: a, a zero. Uh, in a, this oh, particular oh, okay. case, you don't want to try to do that anything but dive to get away from a Spit-14. I see. Now, okay. uh, you know, you're going to come into some major differences comparing uh, kill ratios... And longevity of service, and and some of that stuff, because it, the Spit came into service uh, before, way before Pearl Harbor. It saved right. it in right. the uh, Hawker Hurricane saved England during the Battle of Britain.
0: Oh no question, no question. Well, that was one of me. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. The Spitfire was in service during Battle of Britain and was one of the yeah T- that was 1940. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm uh, sorry. Say again when they come up. Uh, that was 1940, nineteen yeah. forty four zero, uh, and the Mustang was in design work and wind tunnel testing at that point, but it wasn't doing, wasn't seeing frontline service yet. Matter of fact, we got the basic design for the Mustang from the Brits mm-hmm. because they wanted to get it off the island so it could be developed without risk of being blown up in a bombing raid. Uh, okay. Right. So, did the Spitfires
0: um, escort bombers over over Germany?
1: Eventually, yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I guess I'm, 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 what I'm getting at here is why was assuming the quote about you know the, uh, um, Garing and the P51s escorting the bombers is is accurate. Why? Why? What was special about the P51 that made him say this? Do You know, I, maybe you don't know. I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh,
1: well, I, I know a, I, I've met a lot of pilots that have flown both airplanes over the years. There's yeah, a couple of guys here locally that. Got to fly both for different reasons. Uh, And both they they always sing praises of the extraordinary flying characteristics of the Mustang and just how pilot-friendly and easy it was uh, for the pilot to make that airplane perform at its limit. Uh, Then other things, you come down to firepower. Uh, you come down to fuel capacity. Uh, the later model Mustang with the drop tanks uh, on its own internals would outfly a Spitfire. But you fit them both with drop tanks in the later models with greater fuel capacity. Uh, now you've got, you know, something a little more comparable in terms of long-distance escort capabilities. But, you know, bears remembering that the early model... Messerschmitts, the early model Spitfires, could barely stay in the air for seventy, eighty minutes. Oh, okay, they, they 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 came up to meet where they came across the channel. The Germans that came across the channel were doing good to have twenty-five minutes of combat time before they sure. needed to hightail it back. Right, sure. right.
0: Jeb, do you have any thoughts on which was a better airplane, Spitfire uh, or I think B-51? I think I, I think. While I certainly
2: understand why someone might want to ask that question, I, I don't think the, the the question has an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I th- I think um, they were both the right airplane at the right time for the circumstances. In, in the case of the Spitfire, yeah, uh, it did. You know, uh, t- t- to animate it a little bit, um, it did heroic duty during the Battle of Britain. And it served... It certainly served in the African theater as well as the European theater. I'm sure it served somehow in the the Pacific theater in World War II. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it was the right airplane at the right time and and, and did an admirable job in all theaters, to my knowledge. The P-51 was the airplane for a different part of the war. Yeah. Uh, It got more strategic... As the war went on, and the long legs uh, of the P-51 were necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The, the, the Spitfire couldn't have done that, I don't think. Uh, the P-51 was the right airplane for for escorts over over Germany. The right airplane for escorts over over Japan, mm-hmm. um, because of its range, in part, but but also because of its refinement. It was the it was the right airplane for that time of the war. Yeah, but it, I, w- I don't know that i would would have wanted a flock of mustangs uh early in the war a flock of spitfires i would have been really happy with
0: yeah okay um you, it's not at all unusual to see 50 p-51s at air shows at least here in the u.s you almost never i mean maybe ne- i don't know if i've ever seen a spitfire in person why is that because you don't live in the uk so there are spitfires as you know quote-unquote common there is that P-51s are here? I, I don't know that. No, Spitfires were all buried in Burma. That's, the problem, right? they're, that's they're, the problem.
1: They're not at all as common as, as uh, Mustangs yeah. are here.
0: Is there some reason for that? They, they, this is maybe well, a silly question. Are the they're made of metal, right? Are the Spitfires made of made of aluminum? Yeah. They're not like wood
1: that, that rotted away. But right? there's steel tube fuselage, yeah, okay. com- you know, overlaid with uh, fabric, uh, uh, plywood. Uh, the early ones had uh, oh, a well, lot of wood in the wings. That that could be a factor, right? I mean, uh, aren't the well, Spitfires definitely.
0: all... I mean, correction, aren't the Mustangs
1: all metal? The Mustangs are pretty much 100% metal, yeah. Yeah, right.
0: So if the Spitfires are made partially with fabric and wood, that might explain why they didn't... didn't yeah, they They
1: may have had some control surfaces that were cloth-covered, but... You know that's easily corrected with some O-20 right, sheet right. metal.
0: So, anyways, all right. So we're we're gonna we're gonna say it depends. I guess is oh no no that's well um, both great airplanes. The
1: question came down to the to the pilots that flew both of them. Yeah, and the pilots got to fly some mock air to air combat, specifically pitting late model fifty ones against late model Spitfires. Uh, on a heads up day, they give the Spitfire the advantage. Uh, but if it's got to chase a fleet of bombers to Germany and back, yeah. it's not going to be in the fight. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. Jeb, are you telling us that there's some news on the uh, subject of the uh, Malaysian 370 aircraft?
2: No, I'm actually not saying that. <laughs> okay. What <is> are <laughs> you <know>? saying here? <laughs> it just, it, it, let, us, let, let us go on record.
1: Yeah. It has
2: been 60 days yeah. as of as of today uh-huh. since that airplane went missing. And to, I haven't checked email lately, but there's not been a single trace of it, Phil. It's pretty amazing.
0: It that's really cool. is. It's pretty amazing. So what's this little data tidbit news thing that you came across?
2: New York Times, actually, is reporting or via Talking Points Memo that CNN, you know, so to throw out a bunch of yeah, media Yeah, really. Politics, so there you go. You've just lost okay. all credibility right exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, especially if I end up at CNN. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So, but there's polling data that shows um, quote. Where's the quote? Um, Is the according, 9%? yeah, according to the survey, nine percent of Americans believe it was likely that quote space aliens, time travelers, or beings from another dimension unquote played a part in the plane's disappearance.
0: Well, count me among that group. I'm um, uh, that's. I like that explanation. There we go. Okay. Space time travelers. Time travelers, right? Time travel Beings from another dimension. Nine
1: percent? Nine percent. Why is it in the world that I see around me today, does that number seem low?
2: It, well, it does. And, and here's the punchline. Some of these
0: people vote. <laughs> yeah, right. well, okay. Um, anyways. Ah. Nine percent. Nine percent. Maybe that's the title of the episode, huh? Nine percent. Nine percent. Nine percent. Okay. They still haven't found a single bit piece. Jack, I'm, I'm not. I'm not making it's this up. No, There's not, it's been.
1: It's, it's been it two has, months.
2: It's vanished. It's two months as of today. Uh, um, it was it was two months and a day ago. Yeah, and with with one day short in April, it's sixty days. You think something would have washed up on shore
0: by now? You know, I mean,
2: just like, that's just it. That's just it. You I know? know,
0: I have a few friends who are going to just going to insist, and maybe they're right that 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 Southern Ocean is a big ocean. I don't doubt that. And, I don't doubt it. That. It that. flows deep. without touching, you know, dry land for long ways. Well, so maybe I don't know. I, go ahead. Go ahead, David.
1: Oh, I was just going to say it's big, it's deep in a lot of ways the Indian Ocean is uh, uh, comparable in challenges to the South Pacific uh, yeah. in yeah. terms of the, the ruggedness and variety of terrain down below. Because that's the thing that really I think a lot of people don't grasp when they think about you know, oh you search the bottom with sonar. Okay, it'll show up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah because you know Except, uh, you know, there are mountains down there yeah. bigger than anything on the surface up in the air part of the Earth. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe not specifically in that part of the Indian Ocean, but we, we got to remember Air France 447 was found in waters, if memory serves, somewhere in the neighborhood of 13,000 feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's like searching for wreckage at flight level 130. and yeah. You know, and it's invisible.
2: Yeah. There's – I totally get uh, how, how, how difficult it is to find something – let me put it another way. I totally get the, the, the circumstances uh, involved here. Now, I'm not criticizing the people who are searching for this lost aircraft. Oh, no, um, obviously not. No, no, not in any stretch of the imagination. But, but it's I, just, a I just
0: stunning. Turn. It's, it's
2: just, just a, it's, the whole thing is just, st- stunning is, is the exact word. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, anyways. Well, we, we may come back. About is, how used about how used we are to technology and computers and satellites and, and instant communications. And you can... You can solve a world class problem over coffee at Starbucks with yeah. the right internet connection, and we can't turn up you know two hundred almost two hundred and forty people and a you know million almost million pound aircraft after two months and we're not used to that yeah yeah, yeah. well just, it just doesn't happen space aliens oh, time that's travelers. Cute.
0: Space aliens, time travelers, and beings from another dimension. That's as good an explanation as Agent
1: Mulder. Agent Aging Mulder, would you please pick up the black courtesy phone, please, Agent Mulder? We've got to take a break. We'll be back in a minute.
2: We don't have to be lost in space. I can fly the Jupiter 2 and get us back home to Earth. Warning, 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 warning. Silence, you belligerent bucket of bolts. Dr. Smith, you must not take the controls until you have received a safety briefing. Oh, all right then, go ahead. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Silence, you cantankerous clump of cogs. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the spacecraft, uh, airplane.
1: Are you that finished? That is all.
2: What did you that say? That is all.
1: Then yes, shut I up that finished.
2: silly speaker. Oh, where is Jack Hodgson when you need him? You may proceed. All right, then. Here we go! danger, 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 danger.
0: Hi, this is Jack. We've said it before and it bears repeating that maybe the most pleasant surprise of doing this podcast all these years has been meeting our listeners at fly-ins and just wandering around at airports. You talking with us and sharing your aviation experiences has helped us broaden our knowledge and enjoyment of flying. Thank you. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that we also appreciate the financial support we get from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled tip jar. It doesn't need to be very much, just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. So thanks for listening, and please make sure you track us down and say hi at the next fly-in. Hey, so I just got back from a, a technology conference down in New York City, and, um, and, and I've been to a lot of technology conferences, and in many ways this one was like the others. One thing that was really interesting, really caught my attention, was... I saw actually the first of the Google Glass devices, the sort of heads-up display that's built into glasses kind of thing, the Google Glass. Um, The first time I've ever seen one of these in the wild, and not only did I see one, there must have been eight or ten people attending this conference who were wearing Google Glass um, all week long um, at this thing. And uh, it became a little bit of a subject of conversation, just from those of us watching from afar, that it, it looks a little, it still looks a little silly. I think we're going to get used to the idea, and I think they're going to become much more, much more, uh, um, you know, not big, blatant things attached to the side of your head. Um, but uh, we were talking a lot about Google Glass um, at this point. I'm conference. looking forward
1: to using one on my Segway.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, there you go. That's kind of the thing, right? With, with your big, big honk and beat headsets too, right? Headphones. Um, But so people have been asking though, it's kind of makes sense um, that people have been asking whether Google Glass, these kind of built in, these head, these head worn heads up displays might be useful in an airplane cockpit. It's it's been tried. And what, what's the story? What, what's the take on it so far?
1: I wish I could remember the name of the company, uh, but I got assigned to check out this equipment in flight. It was basically like a a set of glasses frame with this projection LCD-type display hanging just in front of my left eye, uh, projecting... Flight attitude data and airspeed data from an AHARS type box under the seat on which I was seated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the product didn't show back up on the circuit the next year, and we didn't run a story about it because after flying several times with it and trying it walking around, I could not use it without in 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 in. Producing a little bit of spatial disorientation into right. myself. I- I've heard that because kind of thing. as you moved your head around, the view through the that one screen, that one eyeball didn't change. Right. It's not like you saw what was in front of you. You still saw the attitude indicator, or the airspeed tape, and the DG arc. No matter where you turned your head, and what you did. Meanwhile, the right eye is seeing this completely different thing. And you could see through this display well enough to see what was behind it. Right. But it didn't really mesh with the uncluttered image of the world around you that the right side saw. Couple that with an aircraft moving in three dimensions. And I almost did something that I'd never done before. Oh, yeah. Use one of my own 6 axes. Yeah, okay. Um, now, just so to be clear: I, I'm skeptical of this whole idea. Now,
0: just to be clear, the device that you tried out was not one of these Google Glass um, devices. No,
1: but the concept-similar kind of thing, right? It is, it is so close to the same thing. When I first read about Google Glass, the first thing that popped into my mind was this guy's little device that could project this image on this little screen for you to look at and through. yeah where where did you see that device uh well i picked it up at sun and fun uh they were one of the they were a vendor showing it and uh i think
0: and, I, I think i remember that yeah
1: yeah uh now,
0: so just to be clear, I, I believe it's the case that none of the three of us have actually tried this Google Glass device. No, not specific I, Google I, I, Glass. Jeb, no. you what's your thought on it, then? Have you, you have any experience I, I, similar to Dave's?
2: Not, none. Um, I, I, I certainly get the appeal uh, of that, but I don't think the resolution is going to be enough. There's, there's a, In the forums, there's a couple of posts here, uh, Riga Runner, uh, Scoffrey Jet, and uh, Pilot Bill from Texas. Um, looking at this as as you know, is this usable in the cockpit? Um, you know, that was one of the first questions we asked about things like the iPad. And it, there may well be a, a an application for Google Glass in, in the uh, in the cockpit. I don't I don't know that we're there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people smarter than me, I'm sure, have asked this question before we we brought it up. But uh, there's a lot to be said for a good old-fashioned hud also Mm -hmm. yeah right and and, and if nothing else um, the technology uh... involved in 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 putting hud's together we've already seen um, uh... angle of attack indicators just get deregulated uh... by the FAA in recent months there's no good reason that maybe uh, heads-up displays mm-hmm. should not be treated the same way. They're yeah. only they're only advisory in nature, but there's a wealth of information and weather-related information that can be put on one of those, and uh, that's got to be uh, a good thing. It works for fighter pilots; it ought to work for GA
0: pilots. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because a lot yeah, of really a lot of uh of uh you know there's there's a there's what well, they call it a monocle right there's a lot uh-huh, of, of uh-huh. Uh, military pilots wear a, a helmet mounted one eye i believe thing that puts an overlay on what they're seeing through both eyes. <clears throat>
2: See, that that may be that to me that would be somewhat as as dave describes too distracting
0: but they uh, use but, it a lot in the military it must there, work right? there, there, there may be people who are trained or or you know
2: are uh, uh, just especially talented to to be able to do that. I don't think I'm one of them. It doesn't sound like Dave's one of them yeah. It would well, seem then, some, <clears throat> some 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 of those ahead,
1: military yeah. systems you're talking about are using that that device for stuff other than flight data, attitude indication, and stuff like that. They're using it to target. They're using it to put a spotter on a, right. a laser designator on a place. It's not being used the same as a heads up display that projects all your flight data out there you know right. 16 feet in front of the windshield. Right. They're
0: yeah. they're laying they're overlaying information in your field of view in such a way that it remains virtually um, unmoving, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that you're seeing something overlaid on a per a certain point in the distance regardless
1: of which way you're you're turning your head. But the the way the Google Glass seems to be used and if you take away the three dimensional component of trying to use something like that on a cockpit. Uh I I could see some real potential to backing into this kind of a system uh as an alternative to a HUD, uh, but still with some kind of fixed screen out ahead. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, that's just me. Yeah. Right. I you know, speaking
0: as a technologist and but not necessarily one that knows, you know, that much about aviation. I mean Primarily as a technologist, not as an aviation person, um, I, I think Google Glass has a lot of potential. I think I think, it's it, got, I,
2: think it, I think it may also. I think it's got oh, a yeah. ways to
0: go in terms of its development. Um, I, I, it seems to me that it's really important. So I haven't actually worn these Google Glass things, and I don't know exactly how they work. Whether or not the image that you're seeing through the Google Glass is always moving as you move your head, in other words, stationary relative to your glasses, or is it stationary relative to the background? If it's stationary relative to the background i can't imagine that there isn't a time lag as you move your head it doesn't stay stable kind of thing Um, but i think that'll get better if even if it's a problem now um so time will tell but i would worry about wearing google glass at this stage of its development in a in a you know an environment like a flight you know cockpit yeah yeah i'm not sure it seems like a distraction um,
2: it, 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 it wouldn't be technically illegal unless, you know, someone's going to tag you with a 91.13. Right.
0: But, Careless and reckless.
2: Exactly. But um, the regs clearly allow, um,
0: you know, Part 91 operators to to make their own rules when it comes to devices yeah. like yeah. that. So. Well, maybe we should keep an eye on this, and uh, I'm waiting for the day that I get a chance to play with one of these Google Glass things. But it hasn't yeah, happened I, yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look forward to it, but I'm not going to follow my sword. It's, yeah, no. There's like fifteen hundred dollars right well, now.
2: That, that plus, as you say, this is first generation. So let's let's see what yeah, see what see else is goes. out there. Let's see where it goes. Yeah.
0: Hey
1: David, yeah, all now, we have to do is, in this particular case, is say, remember the iPad. Well, but that worked out, right? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah! Saying, How many David? of you guys are exactly. still using your first generation iPads? I am. Well,
2: I I still have mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, I have but, a I have a first generation Nexus also. But the third and fourth generation iPads are definitely better. There's no question There's about no it.
2: question about that. Yeah. You know,
0: but uh, anyways, hey David, you uh, you called our attention here to a couple of uh, relatively low cost aircraft airplanes that just came out. What what are they? What's going on here?
1: Well, one of them is kind of a son of the old original Quicksilver. Uh, and you know the high wing membrane wing pusher that evolved out of a foot launched fixed wing hang glider. Uh, this is called the Quicksilver Sport LS2S. Now it's a legal special light sport aircraft. Now just got approval from the FAA uh, about a week ago, and it's looking like Quicksilver is going to be pricing this at about forty grand ready to fly. Yeah. Just just
0: to be clear here you said it's a legal not illegal, right? You said Sorry? It is a, it is a legal airplane right now. It's a uh, a legal LSA. Right. It's a legal? Yeah. It's okay. a
1: legal light sport aircraft. Yeah, cool. Not experimental amateur built, not part 103. Right. It's so a spe- light
2: sport. I, it's a special LSA.
1: Special LSA. Uh S L S A that's the official designation. We just right. call them LSAs in general. Uh, but, under forty seats to side by side, and this is not open cockpit, this is no cockpit right, right. Uh, so you are as close to bicycling and motorcycling as you can get, except you get to do it in three d and right behind that basically in the same week the time frame uh something called the Zigolo from aero marine l s a it's a motor-powered. This is a. It's an airplane. One hundred and three f- sport glider, and available with an electric motor. Sixteen grand, ready to fly with the uh, uh, gas engine twenty-two for the electric. Part one hundred and three legal. Uh, no medical required. That means you can have failed one, and still learn to fly this and fly legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is
0: the airplane for the uh, followers of the Insane Clown Posse.
1: Yeah.
0: No, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about.
2: We're out of Lakeland. Oh, that's interesting.
0: What's that? Oh, the uh, airplane. You guys yeah. are changing the subject on me. All right. I'll leave it to as li- an exercise to the listeners what the heck I'm talking about here. Insane what? Clown Posse. Okay. I, know I know who the really
1: Insane Clown oh, Posse is. Okay. You
0: do? Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Then oh, what's yeah. the connection between what I said and what you said? Uh-huh. What did I say? See, there we go. What? What did I say? The, I don't know. You were talking about that airplane, and I was talking about insane clown posse. Where's the intersection?
1: Is, don't pretend
0: that you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So these are. So that was that. And did you talk about both of them? Where? What's the other one? That was both of them. Yeah, the Zigolo and the uh, Quicksilver and the Zigolo. Yeah, that's cool. Don't. Don't did you
2: just really say don't pretend I know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, David, seriously?
0: On the subject of insane clown posse, yeah. <sighs>
2: you you t- you, you too t- really need to to Maybe take a vacation or something.
1: <laughs>
0: well, that's certainly true, but I'm not sure why in this particular instance it's, it's
1: uh, a point. All right. Never yeah. mind. I would bet that Jeb's even got an insane clown posse album around somewhere.
0: Somewhere. Yeah. I probably do. Yeah, it's funny you should say, you know, you'd be surprised to know that I own, right? No, I don't, but. Uh, <laughs> it should not surprise you, to It know. should not surprise you. I have a nephew who's an insane clown posse uh, fan, and it's apparently quite a lifestyle thing. Uh low price airplanes. That's pretty cool, David. Thank you that for that is uh, cool calling huh? our attention to those. That's yeah. neat.
1: That's neat. Well i we we've all heard, you know, the the laments of people who were expecting LSAs to be cheaper. Uh under forty, it's hard to imagine anything ready to fly much cheaper and sixteen or twenty two ready to fly a uh ultralight ready to go. It's like uh, our but, buddy Jim G bought at uh Sun and you, There's... That's cool there to fly that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, but <laughs> well, maybe a toe.
0: It's also yeah. a very minimalist airplane. It's uh, it's uh, it's going to be oh, fun yeah. to fly, but uh, it's not a 182
1: that he's used to. A, That's right. It doesn't cost like a 182. Yeah, no,
0: that'll be cool. That'll be fun. I can't wait to see him going up there. He says, but he says, he says, you'll notice it only had one seat. That way, I don't have to give anybody rides. He said. He's like, I can just fly my airplane and have fun with it. Last episode, we began uh, completing the uh, airplane personality test here on uh, on aop.org. All right. And so uh, up until the point where we we answered, let's see now, we answered four of the uh, ten, I think it's ten. Uh, no, it's actually 14 questions, but we did most of the aviation questions, and we were absolutely identical in our answers, which I thought was very interesting here. Really? Um, I didn't think we ever got that far. Well, we got through four of them, uh, five of them or so, and uh, okay. and so as many of them as we got through, we were exactly identical. So let's see now. Let's pick up where we left off here, um, and some of these are we're just going to zoom through because they're not really aviation questions. Um, let's see. We already answered... Um, what uh i would enjoy flying most historical era of and we i think we all said 50s through 80s uh uh, favorite aviator was bob hoover Uh favorite aviation movie and this is a limited this is just based on the multiple choice questions right Right, we we didn't kind of go beyond that favorite aviation movie we all agreed 12 o'clock high um and motorcycle i'd most like to ride um of the choices of harley davidson kawasaki ninja and vespa we all picked kawasaki ninja So, let's, um, um, when I buy a car, I get new, always, lightly used, or used. So, uh, I guess, Jeb, you go first. Which of these three do you pick?
2: Um, When I buy a car, I get
0: lightly used. Okay. David? Ditto. (laughs) Uh, Lightly used. Hmm. Well, I definitely get used. I'm definitely tur- I've turned the corner, and I don't need. I don't expect to ever buy a new car again. Um, but lightly used or used, I mean, I just bought a two thousand and I just bought a used pickup truck with two hundred thousand miles on it. So I'm not sure if that qualifies as lightly used.
1: Well, is that typical of you?
0: Well, the previous car was a, a Nissan Maxima with one hundred thirty three thousand miles. I wouldn't call that lightly used either.
1: Then I'd click use.
0: I think I've just broken the uh, the chain here. So. Uh-oh. That's all your fault, Hussie. Uh, all right. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. i got to make sure I'm writing this down right here. All right. I'm in the second call. Jack is actually used, and Dave is lightly. Okay. What's next here? Um, the car I'd most like to drive is Porsche 911 Targa, Ferrari Testarossa, Land Rover, or Toyota Prius. And and especially in the case of Jeb, I know that your car isn't on this list. But of the four, which one would you pick, David? You go first.
1: Well, the nine eleven Targa, uh, the only one on that list I haven't drove driven in the past is a Testarossa, and I wouldn't pick that one anyway. The the, the Targa, okay. Um, I would, and I would pick. Okay, good. See,
0: we're fall, we're we're, just, we're going in different directions here. I would pick the Land Rover. Um, but then I've owned a Jeep Cherokee, and I just bought a pickup truck. So there you go. There's my thing. I'm Land Rover. Jeb, what are you?
2: I would go the Ferrari. But the real question is, are we talking about all the time, or are we talking about
0: just a one-off? You can pick any of these four to drive for a day. Um, I don't know the answer to that. The question is, the car I'd most like to to drive is a... Of so. those four, the Ferrari. Okay. So, Ferrari. Uh, we did already did motorcycle I'd like to drive. Um so I love roller coasters, true or false. Yay! Hey! David, you love roller coasters.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Okay. Jeb? No. Go away. Leave me alone. I'm with you, Jeb. I don't I, I you know basically you know what it takes me to get to get me on a roller coaster? A pretty girl. That's that
2: would be Probably three slots in the top five that would get me on
0: a roller coaster. You, you basically look at any, uh, uh, the, you know, right, first of all, you can right. count the number of roller coasters I've ridden in my life in like one hand, yeah. and every single time there was a pretty girl involved. So yeah, I, don't,
2: I don't remember all the people who are around me at the time, but it's you can definitely
0: count on one hand the times I've been on a roller coaster. Yeah. So I bought my first smartphone uh, before January 1st, 2011 after january 1st 2011 or i still don't own one define smartphone um i think it would be a phone that also had apps kind of like an iphone or, a, or an android phone
1: or that could you know do 3g
0: well maybe okay um i, I mean i'm i'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm def- before
2: yeah i'm definitely before also
0: david uh before okay Sorry, I'm writing this down. That's why the hesitation here. That's what it is. Are you making a written record of this conversation? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to publish this. I'm going to hold you to it. I'll bring you a year from now. We'll go back to it. Um, An airframe parachute is essential equipment, nice but not necessary, a marketing gimmick. Uh, Who wants to go first? Nice but but not necessary. Nice but not necessary. David? Ditto. Likewise. Nice, nice, and nice, nice, and nice. Nice Cubed. (laughs) Nice Cubed. That's... Oh, that might be the title right there. Okay, uh, let's see now. We're almost there. We're almost there. Um, I'm willing to pay over $50 for a fine bottle of wine because I can taste the difference and the better product is worth it. So... That's a very complicated question. That's a very complicated, so, go false. I, I,
2: will, I will also. That's a very complicated question.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, first of all, I, I would almost never buy a bottle of wine for $50. And if I was de- ever in the case, I mean, it just wouldn't be, I wouldn't, it would be lost on me. It, it depends
2: on if it was the wine or the roller coaster, and it depends on the girl.
1: Exactly, and, yes. and fortunately, they didn't ask me about a fifty-dollar bottle of single malt. So that's right,
0: exactly. Yeah.
2: Thank
1: you very much. Well, there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah, that yeah. for for sure. Um, I prefer driving a car with manual transmission or automatic transmission. Stick.
1: Stick, Manuel. Really? Are you skipping a Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. See, man. I'm
0: totally in the I am so done with manual transmission. Seriously. I just really want to go. Oh. I
1: want to get in the oh, car man, and Jeb and I are both clutch players. Yeah, you, you will then you'll
2: probably never drive the Bimmer.
1: I, I yeah. believe me, I don't want to drive the Bimmer.
0: The Bimmer scares the loving crap out of me. I am so afraid. I don't like to walk within arm's distance of that car for fear I'm gonna hurt it. All right, no. I... Are you skipping eleven? I don't know, did I, Did I? oh, I'm sorry, yeah, that's right, I'm sorry, I missed that. Um, I, my dream aviation trip would take me hiking, this is an aviation trip, would take me hiking in the mountains to a college or pro football game to a distant island, all right? I'll go first, hiking in the mountains for me. Of those three choices, I'll agree with you.
1: David? To a distant island. Yeah, you've actually I've, done that, I know. Yeah, and I'd like to do it again. I have I've done that too. I'd like to do it again, but I've also done both of the others. Right. So, exactly. Uh, okay. If, yeah. if they'd given me a fourth answer, it would have been all of the above. Yeah, but, no, but I mean it's uh, clearly what
0: they're going for here is is flying all about, oh, yeah. you know, getting to a, you know, like a going to a game, going to some event, and then are you a, a mountains person or, or an island person? Right. So,
1: we're two Manuel's to one auto. Yep.
0: And then uh, reducing my carbon footprint is a priority, something I'm willing to do if it's not much trouble, or un-American. This is tr- tricky. This is a tricky uh, I,
2: I don't remember what I chose for this one. I believe I've set a, a priority. Uh, I certainly didn't say un-American.
0: Yeah, I didn't say un-American. I'm not sure. I, you know, I mean, hmm. I, well, the, I, the flip side of which is I have a fairly low carbon footprint. Right. Yeah, you you own like twelve motor vehicles, and look, yeah, none of which you ever drive. Well, <laughs> well, none, none, of, none
2: of which are on the road. More half of than which five won't start. A
0: Year. Yeah, half of which have a carbon footprint of zero. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <They> won't run. <laughs> exactly. And, okay. All right. I'll think, buy that. Think buy of that. all
2: the carbon that is not being burned by these vehicles that would be going into the atmosphere otherwise. So you've actually, you're doing culture,
0: you're doing society a favor by taking these things off the road and putting them in your yard. I should get money for this.
1: And the amount of carbon we're emitting during this podcast doesn't near offset how much he's saving. (laughs) If I were a U.S.
0: military pilot, the airplane I'd most like to fly is an F-22 Raptor, an F eighteen Hornet or a C seventeen Globemaster. I'm None gonna. This above. is gonna reveal something about me that maybe I didn't want to reveal. But go ahead. Which one do you guys want to fly? None of the above. I you know, but of the three, I, I think. So what they're going for here oh, is Hornet, state the of the art. They're going for state of the art um, fighter plane. They're going for classic fighter plane, and they're going for transport. Right. right.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go with the. Raptor because I've got time in the 18 and I've got time in uh, a uh, C5 so uh, the the 22 is the one I haven't done that would be my choice and Jeb what did you say
2: I I was thinking of Hornet but I actually I think I mistook the 22 for the 35 I wouldn't want to be a 35 pilot 22 might be cool but if I had to make a living I don't know I, that's a very good. That's a very good question. I think I initially chose Hornet, but uh, if I had to make a living at it, the Raptor's probably the way to go because uh, once you once they let you start
0: flying it, pretty much nothing out there can touch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, I for me, it's the Globemaster. I, I just <laughs> I love these but, big. That's yeah, like, I, I don't. Rows. I don't know. Yeah, Ooh, I, whoa, I, whoa. I think Is, I would want to – I
2: think I would want to kind of move along between different models. I'd like, first, I'd like to try the A-10, okay? Yeah. I, I, I have a few things I'd like to do with an A-10. Just,
0: just, <laughs> none of them involve your unruly neighbors, though, right? N- none of them
2: involve anything. It's none of your business, okay?
1: Well, the, the nice thing about the C-17 is that, unlike the other two airplanes, if you want to get up, and go back, have a sandwich, coffee, and take a leak...
2: Right. There's space to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I to- I totally get that. I totally get that. And <laughs> and and there are days in which a C-17 Globemaster would come in very very handy.
1: Well, mm-hmm. you, you, you've heard the old joke about the the, the uh, F-16 pilots sure. who were escorting the C-5, and right. they said, "Hey, you probably don't see anything like this very often. Watch this!" And the this F-16 guys go out and they do some snap rolls and some barrel rolls and a tight loop and come back and. And the C5 driver says, hey, well, let me show you this. And they watch, and they watch, and they watch. And they go, so is anything going to happen? Oh, yeah, man, I went back. I had a cup of coffee. <laughs> I went to the bathroom. I came back up. I had a sandwich, and I sat back down. You didn't catch all that? Yeah, yeah. there we go. All right.
0: Take, uh, uh, take a second. Do you have this? Yeah, you do. Your screen. So anyway, the F-16 would be on the list. Yeah, okay, F-16. Yeah, that's... But you know, okay, I hear I hear what you're saying. I, I think what they're going for here is classic versus state of the art versus transport, for and sure. uh, so uh, okay. Yeah, I now right. um, I want you guys to go through the quiz and click all your answers, and I want to see what we each end up being here. So,
1: uh, well, I wound up with the same answer I got the last time.
0: All right, so David, you've got you already got yours on the screen. Which one did you come up as?
1: A Diamond DA40. Oh, really? Okay, really? that's interesting. And when I shared that with the boss. It's like that's the airplane of her ambitions. Yeah, that's a nice airplane. It's a very nice
0: airplane. And and what, how about you, David? Do you like? Do you think that's a, in fact one of your favorite airplanes?
1: Do you well, think that? Put it this way: if I had the money to buy one of those instead of another Comanche one hundred and eighty, that the 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 Diamond would win out because it's faster on the same fuel and fixed gear.
0: Okay. All right. Oh, and
1: it's got more space. Yeah.
0: Jeb, which, which airplane did it come up for you? Is I came out as a Mooney 201. Really? Okay. Yeah. You came out with what? Mooney 201.
1: No kidding.
2: Yeah. Which well, I that's, thought was...
1: That's that not far off the same ballpark. Yeah. I, the folding I, wheels part.
2: Exactly. And it's not that far off from what I have now.
1: No, it's not.
0: I'm trying to figure out why. Let's see now. The places we were different, roller coasters used versus not lightly used uh uh david liked islands and and we liked uh hiking or, or hiking and then you guys liked fighter planes and i liked the transport plane oh and by the way mine came up as a c182 cessna 182 huh
2: um
1: fascinating
0: yeah that, that is rather fascinating yeah so uh huh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna compile all these uh, all of our answers into a list uh, with the, what it says our personnel our airplane personality is, and uh, and share that probably out in the forums or, or something like that. So uh, so take a look at that. That's pretty cool though. Any any was- final thoughts on that? We need to wrap this up. We're reaching the end of our yeah. of time. And-
2: um. No, that's just a, it, It's an interesting series of questions. And and the results are interesting. It's certainly, uh, it was worth the time. Yeah. I I know there are people who just a few moments ago were,
0: were pounding on the dashboards of their cars, you know, get to the point, guys. Yeah, I know. But, we but, may, It may end up... People listening to this, they may be hearing a slightly trimmed down version. I don't know. Time my, will my,
2: tell. My only response would be um, write us and, and we'll
0: make sure you get all your money back. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Tell us where to send the check. Give us all your bank account numbers. Um, shoutouts. Any shoutouts here? I got I got one here. Let's shout-outs. see now. Um, in uh, in the forums, uh, listener uh, Ruckin a k a stuart g i won 't say his last name but Stuart G Ruckin in the forums um, sent us a, uh, a an email recently he he earned an email a um, oh actually I'm, i can 't correct it it wasn 't in the forums it was uh, it was in email he sent uh, um, and uh, he said, when I hear you mention Cheesy Poofs, I get confused because when I hear that name, I think of these guys. And he gave me a link, which is to uh, Team254.com. It's the, uh, he, continue, he goes on and says, the first FRC robotics team, team number 254 from Davis, California, is called the Cheesy Poofs. The championships were held in St. Louis last weekend and the alliance of of these guys won handily. Every year they have an awesome robot and it's quite good, the Cheesy Poofs. He says the reason I know about these guys is I am one of the mentors of teams Team 1983 Skunkwork, Skunkworks Robotics from a Raysbeck Aviation High School in Seattle. He says, unless you have some spare time, I recommend you not look into these first teams in your area. I had no idea that working with a bunch of high school students that are trying to design, build, and program a robot in six weeks could be so addicting and fun. Uh, The school is located right across the street from the Museum of Flight at Boeing Field, and most of the students are complete aviation geeks. And that's just the icing on the cake, uh, Ruckin writes. So uh very, very cool. Uh, uh congratulations to uh to cheesy booth guys for winning for Ruckin and and his team, Skunkworks Robotics, for for their good work. It's kinda cool. It's uh the cheesy poofs. The cheesy poofs. I knew you I knew this would get your
1: see, attention. They see <laughs> i, see, members I of the I, cheesy poofs group. I I can't get my, go ahead, oh, Jeff. Go ahead.
2: No, no, Dave, go ahead, please.
1: I was just going to say somebody really should turn Ruckin on to uh, South Park.
0: That's well, I'm think he gets it. It's, it's, it's the only person in the world, David. The only person in the world who doesn't get it is Jeb. <laughs> See, I, you
2: know, it's just the semantist in me. I can't get my arms around whether you're just min- mispronouncing the word puffs. Or if there is such, in fact, if there is in fact such a product that is called a cheesy poof, I I haven't been able to discern an answer to that (laughs) fundamental question. So I'm just, I'm just to our
0: our listeners tearing me apart. To our listeners, I'd say that's Burnside, B-U-R-N-S-I-D-E. All right, that's not getting it here. Yeah, it's cheesy poofs. It's cheesy poofs. I don't even know why I need to explain this. All right, you know, answer my fundamental question. Respond to that. Anybody who doesn't understand. Insane Clown Posse. Is it a mispronunciation, or are we simply (laughs) talking about a different product? It's Cheesy Poofs. It's not a mispronunciation. It's Cheesy Poofs. Here, David (laughs) sent us a link. There we go. Perfect. That's exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Somebody on the Cheesy Poofs team needs to bring Ruckin up to speed about South Park. No, no. I think Ruckin understands it, too. You think so?
0: Guys, I, I don't
1: understand why there would be confusion if you no, understood. No, no, no. no, no. Jeb,
0: what are you trying to say
2: here? Jump in. All I'm trying to say is I know for a fact that somewhere in tonight's list is the phrase Foxtrot Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say okay. on this topic. Okay. Other shout outs. David, Jeb, what do you got?
1: Oh my After- old buddy Jamie McIntyre. J.R.O. McIntyre He's a, uh, I'm calling him owner in transition at Romeo Oscar Marketing Communications up in Montreal uh, Jamie and I go back enough decades we can almost fill up a hand uh, he was working in from one of the airplane companies in Canada. He's been around. He's had a partnership agency up in Montreal. He, and then he opened his own and just this last week surrendered the title of president and uh, is now telecommuting while still maintaining uh, control over his company. Uh, he says this is going to give him more time for his 60s vintage BMW motorcycle and if he's still got it, his open cart cockpit my biplane uh good luck and uh, lots of fun to you and i know we'll still be coming c- crossing paths with you on the circuit because as you have acknowledged jamie nobody leaves this business alive <laughs> there we go jeb any uh, shout
2: out yeah, to jamie also jamie and I, I i don't know that we formally have ever met but we have exchanged some emails recently and Actually, I owe him a, I owe him a get back, so I'll I'll try to get to that this week. But uh, uh, congrats, Jamie, and uh, uh, carry on, carry on. Uh, I, I have one real quick one. Yep. Um, to uh, Dave Whitman, both of you know Dave.
1: Sure, sure he does.
2: Um, Dave, within the last ten days, two weeks, two weeks, um, was awarded by the FAA his Wright Brothers um, award. Awesome! That's very that, cool. That is an award available to only to pilots who have at least fifty years of accident and incident free and violation free. Oh, uh, that's but, the master oh. pilot thing. No, no, no. Well, I, it's the it's the fifty year thing. It's the right. It's called the Wright right. Brothers.
1: Master Wright yeah. Brothers. Master pilot.
2: Right, right. He got his in a ceremony oh. in Tampa, actually in St. Pete, about two weeks ago. Oh, wait. That's go. very cool. That's out, not what I was out,
0: thinking of. That's way out, better than what I was yeah, thinking of. Out yeah.
2: freaking standing. Yeah. Absolutely. So Dave, we've talked since then. Uh sorry I couldn't have been there, but uh hats off to you again and uh from all of us, congratulations.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Very, very yeah. awesome. I think it's time to stick a fork in this one. Um, yeah. Ooh,
2: ooh, ooh. Oh. Oh, oh. He's getting
1: revered some cheesy poofs. That's, that's
0: okay all right clearly we are definitely ready to be done here uh thank you guys i appreciate you taking the time uh one of those voices out there jeb burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of aviation safety magazine uh what's going on jeb You been working on anything fun i earlier today put
2: one of the final nails in the coffin that will be the june 2014 issue of aviation safety
0: nice how long have you been editing this magazine a long time um actually this issue starts my eleventh year. Eleventh year. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank and where you. can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh dot com. Uh Jeburnside.com, though there's nothing there. Um supposedly I have accounts on Facebook and Twitter. I haven't used them lately.
0: Mm-hmm. On Twitter you're Burnside J. That is correct, Amundo. Yeah. And Dave Higdon, thanks for joining us. Dave is an uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. David, what have you been working on?
1: New stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, I'm just trying to look at what's out in May, uh, because most of what I did for May was you wrote, like, far enough about. I know. Oh, uh, Okay. Uh, this month's avionics news. We got a piece in there about the electronic flight bag as it approaches five years since the explosion of iPad-based systems, and what that's meant to the market. That's I'd in the like,
2: current issue. I'd like to read that.
1: Yeah, well, I would know, too. I've no idea what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Well, you know, and Jeb, I, I bet
0: we could figure out where you could find a copy of uh, of, yeah. yeah, yeah, of that magazine. So. Um, oh,
1: how about that it's actually relevant too yeah, right <laughs> David
0: Where can people find that and other things about you on the internet
1: Oh, they could uh the uncontrolled airspace website has very little of me i 'd occasionally get on there and do a blog post when something really pushes a one of my hot buttons uh but have dot com for world aircraft sales uh dot net for the avionics new stuff and uh here in a few weeks, I'll have something coming up in that uh, that stellar outfit called aviation safety. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's, right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I, I, yes, he will. Won't he? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you very much.
0: <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, please check out my... Uh, Around the Field series of Kindle ebooks at uh, amazon.com slash author slash Jack Hodgson. Uh, you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jack um, can Or you can sign up for my email newsletter um, at aroundthefield.net. Um, and you can learn way more than you really know about me at jackhodgson.com. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with our show notes and in the forums. Uh, thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Go- Goldman, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can uh, chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. Also, you can see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com.
1: David, were you going to say something? Live old live long, live well all by going flying because uh, you, you all are figuring this out by now. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your life Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And I
2: really don't care what their deposition says. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs>
0: This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com.